moving from chaos to peace. What is chaos? Chaos simply means disorder. It simply means confusion. A total lack of organization where there's no order. It's a disorderly mess. You know, we call it a chaos. It's an anarchy. It's anarchy. It's, it's a discord, lawlessness, pandemonium, turmoil. It's a state of no clear direction. There's no sense of vision. It's just confusion. That is chaos. That is chaos. And the second word that I want to define, it's peace. Peace is anything that is the opposite of chaos. In actual fact, in English, we do not have the right word for, for peace. The Hebrew word is the one that is the right word. It encompasses everything. You know, peace in Hebrew, it's shalom. Shalom, it's much bigger than just peace. Every time I go to Israel, when I walk around, you know, people greet me. They always say shalom. And we'll have a conversation, we talk. When they leave, always they say shalom. So it is used for greeting and also for farewell. So the word shalom, it's much bigger than just peace. Shalom does not only mean peace, but the, the, the complete meaning of the word shalom, it means harmony. It means wholeness. It means completeness. It means prosperity. It means welfare. It means tranquility. So shalom can be used as, as hello, or it can be used as goodbye. When you say shalom, you are pronouncing peace upon that person's life. You are pronouncing harmony. You are pronouncing wholeness. You are pronouncing completeness. I pray that you be complete. I speak prosperity upon your life. I speak welfare upon your life. I speak tranquility upon your life. That's what shalom means. That's what shalom means. And God was a shalom of the, of the children of Israel right from the beginning. God protected the children of Israel because he wanted them to have shalom right from Egypt all the way to the promised land. They had the shalom of God. They had the welfare, the provision of God. He was their peace for many, many years. He was with them during the day and also he was with them in the night, during the night. He was with them in the form of a cloud during the day. He will protect them from the heat and he will create a shade above them. In the evening, he was with them in the form of a pillar of fire. He will keep them warm and he will give them direction even at night. He was their heater, if you will. They, they, they had a godly, divine heating system at night. Because that, that, that desert area, it's very, very cold. If you have been there, you know, next year we're going there uh, around April. If, if possible, please come and join us and, and enjoy just to see the Holy Land. You will be blessed, I, I, I promise you. When they were hungry, he will provide for them. When they were thirsty in that desert, he will provide water for them. So their shoes will not even worn out. Just imagine wearing the same shoe for 20 to 30 years 
and it still remain you. Wow, wow. Without any sign of being worn out, God will fight their battles also until they arrived in the promised land. The glory of the Lord was with them. God's presence was with them. God's shalom was with them. Last week, those of you who were with us in our Bible study, please go back to our uh, drmanasso.com and you'll be able to get the, uh, to have access to our podcast. And you will see what we discussed last week. Last week, we introduced you to a man called Ilkana and his family. Ilkana, he lived in a place called Rama. And, and during that time, they used to worship God in a place called, in a place called Shiloh or Shiloh. Shiloh, the distance between Rama and Shiloh was about 15, 15 miles or so, which is about 28 kilometers. About 28 kilometers. And that's where they used to go every year to worship God. They used to go there and worship God. Let me share my screen with you so you can see. Uh, I'll, I'll do, I'm, share, I'm going to share this map with you. Now, all these areas that you see here, this is the area of the tribe of Manasseh. That's where they were living. Because when Joshua, after they crossed the, the river, this is the river Jordan. After they crossed the river Jordan, and they had to divide the land. Every tribe had its own land. This is Issachar, this is Manasseh, this is Ephraim, this is Dan, this is Judah, this is Benjamin. And we'll talk about this too later or so. So all these tribes are there all the way to the north. As you go up here, that's where we have uh, the Sea of Galilee up, up here. And Jesus spent a lot of time doing ministry in the Sea of Galilee area. Down here we have the Dead Sea. So the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee, they are connected by the River Jordan. The River Jordan, that's where John the Baptist baptized Jesus. So they crossed over the River Jordan into the promised land. So they put the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle in Shiloh here, in Shiloh. The men that are talking about um, Elkanah, he used to live here in Ramah of Zaphim. That's where he was living with his family. That's where he was living with his family. So there are some few things that we uh, will observe as, as we continue. You know, that we'll see uh, with him. One of the things that we, we have learned about this man last week is that this man, he had two wives. He had two wives. And the challenge that he had is the first one was Hannah. The second one was Penina. Penina could bear children, but unfortunately, Hannah could not bear children. We saw how Hannah prayed for a son, and God finally answered her prayer. And God blessed her with a son. And she named him Shmuel. Shmuel means God listens or God hears. In English, Shmuel is Samuel. Samuel. God hears when we pray. And I emphasized last week that it does not matter who you are. It does not matter what you are going through. When you pray, God will hear you. God listens to you when you pray. And as you promised God earlier, as you promised God earlier, she later dedicated the boy Samuel to serve in the tabernacle of God. 
to serve in the tabernacle of God. Let me remind you, can, can we please turn off your, your videos? If your video is on, please turn it off. Thank you. He served under the great priest of Israel called Eli. He served under Eli. And the Bible, it's not specific here about how old he was when he was dedicated to serve under Eli. Some scholars say he was about five years old. He was still young. Samuel was still young when he, he, served, God, when he served God under Eli. But like I said, go back to our uh, podcast, go to drmanasa.com and go to our podcast and listen to our previous messages. If you go to audios there, you'll find the, the Bible study that we did last week. Now I'm going to read 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 11. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 11. The Bible says, Then Elkanah returned home to Ramah without Samuel, and the boy served the Lord by assisting Eli the priest. That is very powerful. We see Samuel here. He, he went to serve the Lord under the priest Eli. And when you read the book of Samuel, now someone is going to be the principal character throughout this book. Remember last week I said in the original book, in the Greek book, in the Hebrew uh, Bible, in the Hebrew Bible, the, the book of Samuel is not divided into two. It's only one book. There's no first and second Samuel. It's, it's only Shmuel, it's only one book. The same with the, with the books of, uh, of the kings. There's no first kings and second kings. It's only the book of kings and the book of Samuel. We'll talk about that probably in the next few Bible studies or so. But what you see is God finally blessed Samuel. And, you know, he's the one who anointed the first king of Israel, King Saul, and the second king, David. And later, Samuel also served as a prophet. So he served both as a judge and as a prophet. God later used him in a mighty way to shape the kingdom of Israel. What we have seen last week about what he did, you know, God used him as a, during that time, it was a period of transition. They were transitioning from being led by the judges to being led by the, uh, by the kings. What we see here is the first king of Israel was King Saul. Was King Saul. And King Saul was replaced by David. You remember the young boy David? So King Saul and King David, both of them were anointed by Samuel. Both of them were anointed by, by Samuel. That's what Samuel did. And the third king was David's son. David's son, Solomon. Solomon became the next king. So those are the only three kings of Israel who had a united kingdom. This is very important for you to note. The kingdom of Israel only had three kings. Only had three kings who had a united kingdom of Israel. Under um, Samuel, I mean under Solomon, Later, that kingdom was divided into two. Rehoboam took over from Solomon. Rehoboam was the son of Solomon. He took over, but the people of Israel said, no, 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 we are tired of taxes. You guys have been taxing us a lot. They've been taxing us a lot. And now we, we don't want you anymore. And Jeroboam, 
he became the, 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 the king of the next group. So we have two tribes. Remember I told you that I showed you the, the, the tribe of Benjamin and Judah on the map. Those two tribes, they remained with Rehoboam, whereas the other 10 tribes in the north, they stayed with Jeroboam in the north. And that's where we had the two, uh, two, two, two areas or two regions, two kingdoms in Israel. We had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom had 10 tribes. The southern kingdom remained with Judah and Benjamin. That's what we, we have now. So we have two kingdoms. So remember, the, the kingdom of Israel, they never had one king for a very long time. It was only three kings. It was Saul, the first king. He was from the tribe of, uh, of Benjamin, by the way. That's why Saul in the New, in the New Testament, the book of Acts, he was named also after Saul, his great, great, great uh, grandfather, uh, Saul. He was also from the uh, tribe of Benjamin, from the tribe of Benjamin. So both of them were Saul. So Saul, and by the way, Saul did not change his name to Paul when he repented. He had two names. He, was, he had one name. There's not two names. It was the same name. When he was within the, uh, within the Hebrews, it was Saul. But once he went outside the Hebrews to the Gentiles, that name, the same name Saul, is Paul. So he did not change his name from Saul to Paul. I'm trying to correct some errors here. So Jeroboam, he remained the king of the southern kingdom. I mean, Jeroboam remained the king of the northern kingdom. Rehoboam remained the king of the southern kingdom. Let's look at this map here. And this map, it shows the two kingdoms here. We have the northern kingdom, the green area, the southern kingdom, that's the orange area. So, you know, if you look at the cities like Jericho, Jerusalem, uh, you know, Hebron, all this, all the way to Bathsheba, all of them, they were under the southern kingdom. You go to the north, this is the Sea of Galilee, this is the Dead Sea. In between, we have the River Jordan that's connecting the two seas. Then we have the northern kingdom and all the way to Dan, all the way to Dan. And we'll talk about this in the next Bible study. So I just wanted to give you an idea of what we are talking about. I hope you are learning something as we, uh, as we continue. Going back to our text, Hannah dedicated the son Samuel to serve under Eli. This must have been a very difficult uh, uh, experience for Hannah. Just imagine, she has been praying for this son for years. And she only she could only stay with that son for about four or five years. Then she had to take him back to serve God. Very, very difficult and emotional for any mother. Just imagine, some of you, you cry when you take your, your son or your daughter to school for the first day of school, of the calendar year. You cry. Because you're separated with that child for about four or five hours or so, and later in the afternoon, you go and pick them up. But just imagine, here is a mom who has been praying for years, asking God to bless her with a son. And later, God blessed her with a son, and she had to take that son back to God. Back to God. It must have been very, very difficult because he had to stay there permanently, not only for a month or two years, but permanently. She could only see him once a year. But now, as, as we talk about that, what made it very difficult for Hannah 
is the next few verses that we will talk about. She left her child with a very dysfunctional family. Very, very dysfunctional family. And I'm very sure that she knew what was going on in that family. Eli's family was very, very dysfunctional. And you will see that in the next few verses. And I'm sure she, you know, she couldn't, but she couldn't hold it. She, there was no way she could, she, she can change her mind. Because she promised God, she made a, a vow before God and she had to fulfill what she promised God. Now, what is very painful, if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, the Bible says, now the sons of Eli were scoundrels. We had no respect for the Lord. King James Version, King James Version says, now the sons of Eli were corrupt. Corrupt. They did not know the Lord. NIV, it says, now the sons of Eli were wicked. Hmm. Wicked. Wicked. Now the sons of Eli were worthless. If you go to the original or the old uh, King James Version, the old King James Version, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, the Bible says, now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. Eli's sons did not know the Lord. They did not regard the Lord. They did not regard God. Who is Eli? Eli was the chief priest of the whole nation of Israel. His two children, his two children, Hophni and Phineas, they did not know the Lord. The Bible says they acted in a wicked ways. They sinned before God. They sinned before God. In actual fact, when the Bible says they were Ben Belial, let me, let me camp here for, for a while. When the Bible says they were Ben Belial, what it means is they were sons of Belial. Who is Belial? Belial, it was one of the gods of the surrounding area. So when the Bible says they were Ben Belial, Ben, it's a Hebrew prefix. Ben simply means son of. Ben means son of. Bet, B-A-T, it means daughter of. Ba, also it means Ben, it's the same thing. Son of, in Aramaic. Bartimia, it means son of Timia. Peter, by Jonah, it means son of Jonah. So when the Bible says they were Ben Belial, it means Hophni and Phineas, they sinned before God. And until God says, they're just like the devil. They're just like the sons of this God, Belial. It refers to the wicked, the worthless, the pagan God of the nations around them. These two sons of the high priest, they were so wicked. The Bible says they were worthless. They were so corrupt. They sinned. Like they were, they were direct descendants of Belial, of the, of the God 
in that area. These guys were, they, they seem like they're the children of the pagan God. It is so sad to know that the verse says that they did not know the Lord. They did not know the Lord. Brothers and sisters, it is possible to be around the things of God and yet you don't know the Lord. It is possible to be in church all your life and still you don't know the Lord. It is possible to be raised like Hophni and Phineas in a godly home and not know the Lord. It is possible to work with Christians and still not know the Lord. It is possible to work in church and still not know the Lord. It is possible even to be born in a Christian hospital and still not know the Lord. It is possible to sing gospel songs and still not know the Lord. It is possible to be in the praise and worship team and still not know the Lord. It is possible to be a gospel singer and you still win the awards and still not know the Lord. It is possible to be a Christian celebrity, but still, not know the Lord. These guys grew up in the house of the priest, in the tabernacle itself, in Shiloh. That's the center of worship. Where everyone went to worship God. Yet, they did not know the Lord. They did not know the Lord. We'll see in a moment what they were doing. That shows that they did not know the Lord. And they grew up in the in the priestly home. Their father is a high priest. And which means that these guys are also priests. Because their father was part of the line of Aaron. They were Levites, these guys. We're talking about Levites here. And yet, these two young men, the Bible says they were wicked and they were very corrupt. They were corrupt. They are worthless. They are compared to Balel, a, 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 a pagan god. They were Ben Belial, sons of Belial. They knew about God, but they did not know the Lord. There's a difference between knowing about God and having a personal relationship with God. Let's look at the reason why the Bible says they were wicked. According to the Levites, I mean, according to the Leviticus law, when someone will come to the house of the Lord or to the tabernacle and offer an animal sacrifice, they will cook the animal right there, the animal that was sacrificed, and the animal or the meat will be divided into three portions. The first portion of the animal was to be dedicated to the Lord. Then the second portion of the, of the, of the meat or of the animal will be eaten by the priest and his family. It was part of their provision. So the Levites were not given even a portion of the land because they will eat from what people were bringing into the, into the tabernacle. You know, if you read in the book of Joshua, all the other, uh, other, other 12 tribes, they were given a portion, or the other tribes, they were given a portion of land, but the Levites, they did not have any land. So they depended on the gifts that were brought to the offering. And the third portion was given to the worshiper or the one who brought the, the animal that they could eat. Because sometimes they will stay there for days 
or for weeks. So they were eating part of that, uh, of the sacrifice. So every time they go there, they had feast, a lot of meat. A lot of meat they will eat. But this division will be done after they cook the meat. And the priests will be given the thigh and the breast area of the animal. That is how the priest and his family were taken care of. As long people came to worship, there will be meat in the house of the Lord. There will be meat in the house of the Lord. Remember Malachi? This was real meat, by the way. God was talking about the real meat in the house of the Lord. But Eli's sons, Hophni and Phineas, let's see what they were doing. Now, when they received the worshippers who came and they brought the animals or they brought the meat, when they came to the temple or they came to the tabernacle of the Lord, as the meat was being cooked, these guys, they will not wait for the, uh, for, for, for the meat to be, to be cooked, to be fully cooked. These boys, they will not observe the Lord's protocol. They will just take their portions. They will just go ahead and put in their, put in their hooks and grab out of the cauldrons as the meat was being cooked. And whatever meat will come out, they just take out that meat and help themselves before it was even divided. They did not follow the procedure that the Lord has set for the priests. This, I mean, these boys, they will tell the people that were coming that don't even, you know, at some point they will say, don't even cook the meat. Give us our portion even before you cook it. We want to roast it. We want to barbecue it. We want to fry it. We don't want to cook it as, as the Lord instructed. And they will say to the worshippers, don't prepare the food in advance, please. Just give it to us raw as it is. Now, if the worshippers went ahead and cooked the meat as prescribed, these boys, they will just go ahead and fork out the meat while it is cooking, while it is hot. Why do they want the meat raw? Some Bible scholars, they believe that these boys, they wanted the raw meat either because they wanted to prepare it their own way, if they wanted to fry it, barbecue it, to roast it, or maybe they wanted to take that meat and sell it and make profit out of it. They will fill their pockets with that money. They will make money out of the meat that was meant for the altar. In case the worshippers refused to give these boys the meat, the Bible says they will just take it by force. These were bad boys. They were so wicked. They were so disrespectful. Ben Belial. There's nothing worse than coming to church and be, be, being taken advantage of by the mafia in church. They rob you of your offerings. It is unfortunate that we still have the Hoffness and Phineas in our churches today. They rob you of your money. There are a lot of people who, who have left the church because they were offended. There are some mafias who will collect and rob you money. They will collect money, building funds for 20 years or 20, 30 years. They keep on collecting building funds, but, but there's no, not even a first brick that has been laid on the ground. But they are collecting the building funds and, and they're just enriching themselves. Buying expensive cars, buying expensive clothes, and they shine all over. 
with people's money. Some have been collecting money from the poor congregation and they leave them poor. While they shine on Facebook, they display their luxurious lights on Facebook, on Twitter and other places, social media, and nothing is being done to improve the life of the worshipers. Some will demand money for you to be able to, to receive prayers from them, for, for, for them to pray for you, for you to see them one-on-one, -on -one, for them to prophesy over you. You have to pay them money. These are the hopeless and finials of our day. They only to pay them money. The Bible says, these guys, you know, in verse 17, there's the sin of the young man was very great in the sight of the Lord. For the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. One day, God sent a prophet to Eli and told him all that he's doing. And God said, that is wrong. That is wrong. What your, what your sons are doing, it is wrong. Instead of repenting, they just continued. The Bible says, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child, wearing an ephod. I want to talk about the ephod for a moment. An ephod was part of the priestly garment, was part of the clothing that the priest would wear. And it is mentioned in Exodus chapter 39. It's an outer garment. And so this, this young little boy, Samuel, has been given an alpha, an ephod. Remember when David danced and his, until his wife complained? I know there's a lot of errors there. David did not take out his clothes. David did not dance naked. David removed the ephod, the priestly garment. That's all that David did. When you talk about an ephod, it's an outer garment. It's an outer garment. Let me share my screen with you so you can see what I'm talking about. This is an outer garment. This is an ephod, the outer garment. This is what David took out when he was dancing. He was not dancing naked. So this young man, Samuel, also was given an ephod. It's a priestly garment. Not everybody has a right to put on that ephod. That's what an ephod is all about. That's what an ephod is all about. So we have to make sure that we read the Bible and interpret it correctly. So this young man has been given a priestly garment also, and he wears it. And the Bible says in verse 19, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19, the Bible says, moreover, his mother used to visit him. And also when she visited him once a year, she would bring him, you know, a, a priestly garment of some kind because they will go there once a year to sacrifice. To sacrifice. So the mother will only see this young man once a year. It's very interesting that Hannah and Elkanah they gave this young man some, someone to the Lord and they will visit him only once a year. And every year, the mom will bring him an, a robe. And every year, it's a little bit bigger. Every year, as he grew up, sometimes she will estimate if this will fit him or not. 
And she tries to keep up with him. And show him that she loves him. And during that week that they will go to Shiloh. I'm sure everybody was excited that at least, because the Bible says later God blessed them with three more boys and one girl. So when they went there to see the brother, maybe at some point this, this young ones will ask, mom, why do we leave our brother somewhere out there? Why don't we come back with him? Sometimes it was very difficult and emotional for the mom to explain what happened. And the Bible says in First Samuel chapter 3, the Bible says, meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. The boy served Samuel. I mean, she said he served Eli. He assisted Eli. And one thing that I want to note is, the Bible says, now in those days, the word of the Lord or the messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. And this is what we're going to close with towards the end. And one night, verse 2, one night Eli was almost blind by now. He had gone to bed because Eli at this point, the Bible says he was about 98 years, so he was too old. His vision was blurred by this time. Verse 3, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. What is the lamp of God? The lamp of God, here we are talking about the menorah. The menorah. They had to put in the oil so that the menorah could burn all night. And sometimes it will go off when, when, when the oil was finished, maybe around four or five in the morning. So during that time, there's a time that the lamp of God will go out. And Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle. So Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. That's where Samuel was sleeping. Verse four, suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? And he got up and he ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? And what, as we continue with that uh, chapter, what you notice is Eli told Samuel, no, I didn't call you. And he went back again. And God called him again. And he went back to Eli. Eli said, I did not call you. Now, now when that voice comes, I think it's the voice of the Lord. Just tell him, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Remember Samuel's name, Shmuel? It means God hears. Now, in this case, it's the other way around. Shmuel needs to listen and hear from God. And that night, God told Samuel what he will do. He told him that he's not pleased with the behavior of the children of Eli. And he'll replace them. And in the morning, Eli asked him, what did God say to you? And the young man, Bible says, was afraid. But he told him everything, that God is going to destroy your family. He's not happy with what you are doing. Because the other thing that these guys were doing, they were sleeping with women who came to the tabernacle to service, you know, to, to service in, in the tabernacle. These guys, they're, they're not committing adultery out there in the open. And it was forbidden. Adultery has been forbidden, forbidden from the beginning. Exodus, Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. Thou shalt not commit adultery. But this guy, they were committing adultery there in front of everybody. In front of everybody. And God was not happy with that. That's why God says these guys, they were wicked. They were wicked. They were wicked. 
They committed sexual sins in front of everybody. So when the women came to serve in the tabernacle, these guys, they would just rape them. So now we have an insight. Remember I said this was a very dysfunctional family? That is the family that Samuel was supposed to grow in. This wasn't like the sons were doing all this stuff behind the dead's back. I mean, he was aware of what was happening. The whole nation knew of what was happening. And one day God sent a prophet to Eli to tell him that he's not happy about what's happening. But nothing changed in this family. Nothing changed in this family. One other thing that we have noticed here is, towards the end, the Philistines went to battle with the Israelites. And the Israelites, they lost that battle. The Bible says about 3,000 soldiers, they died in that battle. Soon after that time, Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phineas, guess what they did? They went to the tabernacle and they took the Ark of the Covenant. They moved it from Shiloh and they took it to the battlefield with the hope that they're going to win this time. They want to use the, the, the Ark to win against the Philistines. And the Israelites were defeated and the Ark was captured. The Ark was captured. Now, when it was captured, the Bible says 30,000 died in that, in that battle. 30,000 Israelites, they died in that battle. They lost the battle again. And one of the Benjamites, he went back, he ran back to Eli and told him that, Eli, we have lost the battle, but not only the battle. Your sons, Hophni and Phineas, they died in the battle. They died in the battle. And the Bible says, when Eli heard the news, he fell backwards from his seat and broke his neck and he died on the same day. So he died on the same day that Hophni and Phineas died. He died on the same day. And the Bible says, Phineas had a wife and his wife was pregnant. When Phineas', Phineas wife, when she heard that the Ark of the Covenant has been captured, she heard that her father-in-law, Eli, had died. She heard that her husband also had died. She couldn't take it anymore. And the Bible says she gave birth. She died in childbirth also. She died in childbirth. But if you go to 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 21, the Bible says, I mean, from verse, let's start from verse 20. The Bible says she died in childbirth, but therefore, or before she passed away, the midwives tried to encourage her. Don't be afraid, they said. Your baby, or you have a baby boy. But she did not answer or pay attention to them. Verse 21, she named the child Ichabod, and we'll spend some time here as we close. She named the child Ichabod, which means, where is the glory? For she said, Israel's glory is gone. Remember the glory that I talked about from the beginning? That glory is gone. She named him because the Ark of the Covenant had been captured. And because her father-in-law and her husband were dead. There are some few lessons that I want us to learn here before we, before we pray. 
We see a lot of confusion in life or in the lives of the Israelites. They moved from God's presence that we talked about. They moved from the protection of God. They moved from the worshiping the true God. They started to worship other gods. They moved from God's glory. They moved from God's peace to chaos. The wife of Phineas knew how God protected the Israelites over the years. She knew the history of Israel. She saw how, how faithful God has been to them. Just before she died, she looked at the confusion of the nation. A nation that even the church was so corrupt. There was no longer true worship. Sacrifices were no longer honored. honored. They were just going to eat meat and even fight over it. The priests will find the worshipers over meat and they fight. The people have sex in church. Corruption. They will take the Ark of the Covenant to war with the hope that the Ark will do something magical for them. They believed in the Ark of God than God himself. They believed in things than God. They just wanted to use God. Ichabod. Ichabod. God's glory has left the nation. God's glory has left the church. God's glory has left the family. God's glory has left some people's lives. Maybe as I speak right now, you look into your life and you know that God's glory has left you also. Ichabod. You can't hear from God anymore. The Bible says during that time, the word of the Lord was so rare. Ichabod. Today we have Christians who believe in clothes, in things, pieces of clothes. Some they believe in anointing oils. Some they believe in what? Anointing water. Not the presence of God, not the glory of God anymore. Some they believe in their prophets. Some they believe in their papa. They believe in their bishop. They believe in their apostles. They believe in other human beings. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is our only mediator between man and God. The nation of Israel was confused here. They will never win even a single battle. Israelites, they lost every battle. Eli and his two sons, they died on the same day. Maybe you keep on losing your battles also in life. Maybe you do not miss a man in your life. You miss the glory of God. Some of you feel like you miss a woman. You don't miss a woman. You miss the glory of God. All you need is the glory of God in your life. Find, I mean, and, and, and find one's wife. Senior's wife, I'm sorry. Senior's wife, she assessed the situation before she died. With a deep pain, with a cry in her heart, she, she said, there is no more God's glory here. Because of the evil deeds, God has left this nation long time ago. All these are left. What we see is just the history of God's glory in the wilderness. The history of God's presence when they crossed the Red Sea. The history of God's presence when they crossed the River Jordan. Everybody's just doing their own things. The only thing left is traditions and culture. God's glory has left 
this place. And before she died, the Bible says she shouted, Ichabod, Ichabod, God's glory has left. Then she gave up the ghost and she died. I don't know if you still have God's presence in your life. Or the only thing that is left is traditions. Only thing that you're left with is history of how God used to use you, how you used to serve God in the 80s, in the 90s, or in the early 2000s. The only testimony that you have, and the last testimony was in the year 2000. The last testimony was in 1994. The last testimony was 1986. I don't know. Maybe there is Ichabod in your life also. When you used to live for God, maybe God used to use you in a particular place or a city or a province or a state. All you have is when I used to live in this village, this is what God used to do in my life. You used to hear God's voice in your life, but now God's voice is rare in your life. You used to be connected with God, but now the only thing that you are left with is the experience of Christianity, not God's presence in your life. God's glory has left you long time ago. The Bible says, where the spirit of God is, there is order. Everything should be done differently and in order. Look at your life. Would you describe your life as having the peace of God or confusion? Is your life in order or it's in confusion? Would you want to, be, to, to be go back, to go back to his presence again? Would you describe your life as Ichabod or Shalom? How would you describe your life today? Ichabod or Shalom? Confusion or the peace of God? Everything you do seem to be aligned with your gift and purpose when you have the shalom of God, when you have the glory of God, when you have the presence of God in your life. The Israelites, they left God. Their lives became chaotic. They had no order. They had no peace. They had no victory. They had no sense of direction. They had no vision. Everyone did as they pleased. God will bring back his peace in your life if you allow his glory to reign in your life again. Let us go back to the glory of God. If you want real peace, if you want to move from chaos to peace, seek ye the kingdom of God first. Seek the glory of God first. Cry for his glory again. Cry for his presence again. Do not be like the Israelites who left God. When they left God, their lives were in chaos. Actually, God never leaves us. We are the ones who leave him. The Bible says he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And if you want to move from a life of chaos to order, to a life of peace, from a chaotic life to a life of peace, to a life of shalom, if you want to move to the shalom of God, remember, shalom means more than just peace. When you pronounce shalom upon someone's life, you pronounce the peace of God, you pronounce harmony, you pronounce wholeness, 
you pronounce completeness. You pronounce prosperity. You pronounce the welfare of God, tranquility. And I wanted to cry tonight for the glory of God to come back to your life. For the glory of God to come back to your family. For the glory of God to come back to your church. I don't know what is the name of your church, but your church also needs the glory of God. But above all, it's my prayer that the shalom of God, that the glory of God shall come upon our nation again. Our nation has lost the glory of God. Our, glo our, our glory that God has given us is God. That's why there is chaos, there's confusion in our nation. It's time for us to go back to God. We need the glory and the shalom of God. And as I'm going to pray, I want to say this to all of you. Shalom. May the peace of God be with you. Let's pray.